0: Proverbs chapter 14 Proverbs chapter 14 I'm going to read the first four verses just to make a few comments on the first three of those four verses and the bulk of our time will be on a very unique uh, verse verse number four of Proverbs 14. As we've said the Proverbs are almost verse by verse, individualized. There are many repetitions, and that's why we're just gonna to touch on the first three because there's quite a few repetitious statements there that we've already dealt with or we will deal with yet. Uh, but uh, anyway, and then we'll focus in on verse number four for the bulk of our study tonight. So the Bible says, Proverbs 14:1, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with their hands. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise preserve them. And the focus tonight, verse four, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. So obviously there, each of these verses stands alone. Every wise woman buildeth her house. Now obviously it's not talking about a structure. and I'm sure some ladies could do that, but it's talking about the relationships, that which makes it a household. Uh, notice that she's purposeful, she is building, she's not taking it for granted, she's not uh, being careless about it, she's not wasting the opportunities that she has and may I say to all parents but particularly the moms you waste today you'll wish you had it back in a few years because it goes by that quickly. Now every stage of life has its benefits it's blessings but also it's discouragements Early, first marriage you know just the two of you it's a great it's a wonderful uh time of you know just getting to know who you are and and uh, that relationship but if and when god gives children then you begin a journey then of uh having others that demand attention and time and effort But you know before you turn around those kids grow up and they move away and you're back to being an empty nester so to speak and it can be a wonderful time at one of our men say a couple weeks ago it's greatest time in, in our marriage really enjoying it but the truth is there's always a little regret because there were opportunities you allowed to slip and efforts that you should have made and maybe a little more of an investment. So she was purposeful. She builds her house. She was patient. Building takes time. I've only pastored through a couple of building projects, but I'm a very impatient uh, pastor during a building project. I want to see things happen. It's best for me not to go and look. But the truth is, if you're going to be building the character of a child, it's not one event, it's not one time, it's not one talk, it is continuous effort and investment and prayer and patience, letting God work through you. And she has a plan. If she's wise, a wise woman, you follow the plan. Why do we spend all that money on an architect? So we have a plan, and so if it goes south, we have somebody to blame, Uh, but there's a plan. And, you know, we were going through electrical, some a little bit today, and structural, and all of these different things that take a lot of thought and preparation and, and uh, effort. Well, God gives us a plan. That's why the word of God is to be so crucial in your home. Follow the plan. But the, the main thing is that she has a partner. Psalm 127, I'm not speaking of her husband, although hopefully they're working together side by side. But Psalm 127 verse one says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. So verse one, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. You know, and through these years and doing counseling and trying to help people, there's some people it seems like they are Just uh, by their determination, uh, they are going to destroy that which God wants to make beautiful for selfish reasons or whatever reasons. But so I would challenge all parents, be wise, be purposeful, have a plan, and be a part of God's plan. Allow him to work. Verse number two, He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. Of course, the fear of the Lord is a repetitive, consistent theme in the book of Proverbs. It's also in Psalms, pretty heavily, Psalm 19, 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So we look at verse two and you see two things that reveal whether or not somebody is walking in the fear of the Lord. If somebody is walking in the fear of the Lord, they don't have to tell you. It's reflected in their conduct. It says, he that walketh in his righteousness, uh, uprightness. So in other words, Uh, walking is the conducting of our life Uh, it's the daily 24 7 how we respond how we purpose how we prioritize people see that and somebody who's walking in the fear of the Lord it's revealed in their conduct but also those who do not fear the Lord it's revealed because it says they are perverse in their ways they despise him in other words they reject the plan of God. It's not speaking of a hatred in the heart, but a disregarding. You know, if somebody comes and asks your counsel and you give it and then they throw it away, well, they have the right to do that, but that shows their valuing of you and your counsel. You know, and so when God gives us his word, as I've said to you many times, I don't like everything the Bible says, but I endeavor to obey it and believe it because it's God's word. My opinion mean nothing compared to God's word. It is infallible. It is without error, God's precious word. And so now our behavior will show if we fear God or if we don't. Verse number three, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride but the lips of the wise will preserve them. I just put it this way. Our speech is the dipstick of what's in our heart. Now, if you'd never checked the oil in your car, then you don't know what a dipstick is. It's not a negative term of somebody who's an idiot. Okay. A dipstick is how you measure if the oil is appropriate in, your, in the engine of your car. And if you drive an electric car, well, that's all another topic. But anyway, the point is, that what God is saying here is if our speech is prideful we are revealing we're foolish that's what verse 3 says but the lips of the wise preserve them now there's a little interesting thing here I'm going to tell you and then we'll move on that word rod is sometimes spoken of a rod that is used to inflict judgment so Uh, It could be saying that uh, the prideful foolishly brings judgment on themselves. That would be a a fairly conservative view of, of that portion of Scripture. But that word rod sometimes also speaks of a sprout or a new growth. And and I'd never thought of it this way until I was looking at it this afternoon and and just reviewing some things. And one commentator put it this way, when somebody foolishly is talking, they are showing the beginnings of a prideful life. It's not full grown yet, but it's there. And and that's a a very uh, true statement as well. But, With wise, they use their speech appropriately and they keep themselves out of trouble. They preserve them. But tonight I want us to really think about verse number four. It's a unique verse. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of an ox. If you've never lived on a farm, this verse has very little impact. But if you've ever had to clean out the stall of cattle or a horse, you can relate right away. And what really the Holy Spirit is having Solomon say is sometimes a productive life is a messy life. Now, I'm thankful I didn't grow up on a farm. I mean, not that I would mind that. I didn't do it a lot. But that year that I fed livestock, there were times that Mr. Head would come and say, I want you to clean out the stalls. Well, I knew what that meant. Stalls are, you know, there's straw in there for the animals to bed down in, but animals don't go appropriately and use an outhouse. They just, wherever they are, they take care of their business. So cleaning out the stalls means that's what you're shoveling out and you're putting in fresh bedding. Now the real simple solution if you never want to clean out stalls don't have any animals right but the downside of that is you got to put yourself in first century thinking an oxen multiplies your ability to do work many fold So if you want to have a larger farm, you want to be more productive, you want to be able to plant more, you want to be able to expand and take care of your family better, and you're able to buy an oxen or two, wonderful. You can get a lot of work done, but oxen, there are going to be dirty stalls. So there there is a positive and a negative to the statement. Let's bring it into a modern day. You would think a guy is a fool if he went out and bought an excavator or a backhoe or a, a bulldozer. But, you know, no, I, I, I really don't want to use it. I don't want it to get dirty. Well, wait a second. The point of that equipment is to do a lot of work. But in the process, it's going to become dirty. The point of the equipment is to do the work to put it in a driveway to dig a ditch whatever that uh, needs to be done but it's going to get dirty in the process so now let's bring it into our world it isn't I'm not trying to uh, you know give you some kind of a farming lesson there's always a good application so let's bring it into the context of your own life my own life or a local church you know, I have, uh, when I first got into ministry, um, I learned some things about church, as, as some churches' DNA that I'd never learned before. And That was, in that particular church, there were some people that were more concerned about the appearance of the building than what the building was for. Now, I want our building to always look nice. I want it to be a good testimony and Brother, Brother Mike and uh, the cleaning crew, the college students and so on, they do a wonderful job. It is not unusual uh, for me to show somebody the building. It just happened this week. And uh, they, they talk about, you know, oh, man, what a nice building. I had a family coming in, interviewing, maybe put their kids in the Christian school, praying they do. Uh, their, their church is in a rented facility and they were just... Amazed at at what God has given us here. And of course, we want our buildings to look good, but is the point of having these facilities for them to be kept pristine and not used? Why do we do what we do? You know, sometimes the ministry is inconvenient. Sometimes ministry is messy. Sometimes we have to clean up the stalls, do that kind of work. So, there's some things I just want to say, just real practical things to us as a local church. You know, coming out of two years of COVID, we got very used to a comfortable Christianity one hour Sunday morning. Don't have to come to choir practice, don't practice for special music. Why it was nice. But now we're back meeting together. And I think that's important because of all that the Bible says the church is to be one to another. You can't do that remotely. But it takes a lot of time. It takes inconvenience. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. Keep your finger here. Turn back to Psalm 144. Just a few pages. Psalm 144, look at verse number 13. It says, That our garners may be full, affording all manner of stone, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out and that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. So let me give you three just simple thoughts about Messy Barns in relation to the local church. Number one, if we're going to try and reach people with the gospel, we're going to have to be willing to have messy barns. In other words, we're going to have to be willing to be inconvenienced. We're going to have to be willing to have people who, you know, don't know how to dress, don't know how to act, don't know don't know what it's all about. We have to be willing to give of ourselves and not just, look at my life. You know, it wasn't that long ago, folks, we would have every week, we would have soul winning opportunities. I understand times have changed, schedules have changed, so we've tried to accommodate and do once a month opportunities. But if we're in leadership, if we're serious about reaching our community, if we desire to see people saved, Then we all need to be willing to be inconvenienced it takes people it takes time it takes money tracks printing is not cheap summer bible club you know i am not a kid ministry person that is not my forte but i do see the value of reaching into the community do you know that the likelihood of somebody getting saved after age 25 is dramatically less than before age 15 i've read the, i've read studies that the more a person goes up it exponentially drops off the charts before uh, of a person as they get up in age to be open to the gospel whereas children it's a child-like faith. But for Summer Bible Club to be effective, it takes workers. It takes time. It takes effort. A lot of it. And a lot of patience. And wear and tear on the building. 9.30 Sunday school hour. It was nice. Didn't have to get up early. Didn't have to come in. man. It was great, you know what I was doing? I was sitting in my office at 9.30 trying to be useful. (laughs) It was was, uh, just, I'm too routine. But the point is that's another hour where we can learn the word of God, where we can encourage one another, where we can be in our place. Special music, choir, I know it takes time. Your Sunday afternoon nap is shortened. I know, staying after services, it's tough, but the truth of the matter is it adds so much to the service, it says so much to our guests. It communicates our passion for Christ. You know, if we're gonna do the work of the ministry, folks, and we see the importance of that reaching into our community, we're gonna have messy barns. Now, we can cut all that stuff out. If we wanna keep the barn clean, Well, we don't have to have Sunday school. That's not in the Bible. We don't have to have summer Bible club. I don't think Moses was running a daily vacation Bible school. Well, we don't have to do any of that So We don't have to have a choir. We don't have to do any of that. But if it's important for us to do church and be the church that God wants us to be, then we need to be willing to get dirty. Not physically, most of the time be inconvenienced, sacrifice, give of ourselves, so that the work of God can go forward. Secondly, we can expect messy barns whenever we're trying to disciple and restore people who've gone away from God. You know, new converts, they're babies, spiritually. What do babies do? They make a mess, they make a mess. Somebody's got to care for them. They can't care for themselves. And in the same way, as we pray for people to give us new converts, then we need people willing to step in and come alongside and walk with that person week after week after week and make the phone call on Saturday remember Sunday school is 9 30 in the morning you need a ride I'll give you a ride we can talk about it after church we can have a coffee we can do that we we're touching their lives and giving of ourselves and investing in them guess what that's a messy crib I I will tell you the truth in former pastorates, when I had the privilege and had the time to do that, that was my favorite part of ministry. To see somebody come to discipleship and the light click on. I read this book of the Bible. I read this chapter. I under God said this to me. Man, just watching them eat it up and grow. But you know what, folks? That's not that's not a pastoral thing. That's a Christian thing. We're to be teaching others to do likewise. You say, well, I'm not a Bible scholar. That means you're highly qualified. I'm not real experienced. Great. That means you'll be learning as you help somebody else learn. Do you care about people? You care about the work of God. You're qualified. And, And just to get involved. And yes, it's It's another spiritual burden because that person should be on your prayer list. They should be getting those encouraging texts. They should be hearing from you and you inconveniencing yourself for them. That's what discipleship's all about. Taking them from absolute dependence to a level of independence where they can go on. Are there gonna be disappointments? Yes, there will. Will all of them be faithful to the Lord forever? No, they won't. But for those who do, it was worth shoveling out the barn, a messy barn, or restoring somebody who's gotten away from the Lord. If you notice somebody not in the service for a while, they expect to hear from me, they're delighted to hear from you. Somebody noticed, somebody cared, Somebody's calling me. You'd be amazed. And then say they've messed up in some way, big or small, doesn't matter. But God works in their heart and starts bringing them back. You know what? They ought to be so overwhelmed with the fact that our church loves them and wants to see them back and see them get on right track with God. They, they, They can't avoid it. You know, love is a great attractor and the love of Christ is the greatest attraction yet. But to see them restored, they have to know that they're welcomed. To see them become faithful, somebody's gotta encourage them as they struggle and take two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back, sometimes sadly one step forward, four or five steps back. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Yes, we hate to see anyone drift away. But if we all worked on the drifters, we'd have fewer. We'd have fewer. Messy barns one more and this came to mind because of the last week just finishing up our school year and that is we can expect messy barns through the educational aspect of our ministry i asked deborah sunday night just for the service how many graduation exercises we had from our christian school and how many graduates and obviously she didn't know that off the top now, I was this close in the middle of the service. I told somebody afterwards at the fellowship, I was this close to having all the graduates of Faithway Baptist School that were present in the service to stand. I think you would have been amazed at how many are a part of our church. Jonathan and Sharon told me this graduation was the 25th anniversary of theirs. So, Deborah went through and made me a list today, or over the last couple of days. We've had 161 graduate from Faithfully Baptist School, 82 in these years since I've been here. The nine that we had Sunday night, that ties the largest graduating class that we've ever had. We only had it one other time. There were years of one and two and three, and especially in those early years, getting the school going. But the point is during during the course of a Christian school year, I'm getting older and I, and I ask myself, is this worth it? You know, we don't, not, not everybody's supportive of it. Is it worth it? The cost factor, is it worth it? The wear and tear on the building, is it worth it? But the reality is God's given it to us. We're able to touch lives we're able to challenge them with giving God the opportunity to use their life then I would say yes it's worth it. Is it tiring? Yes. Is it demanding? Yes. Do we do it perfectly? No. Do we work very hard at it? Our faculty, our teachers do a great job and yes they do. The college, it's a 24-7 kind of ministry you know it's it's something you're always responsible for at least i am the oversight of them the feeding of them thank god for people like brother Lindemann. taking care of the building the cost the utilities but as i've said nearly 400 graduates a few have gone to heaven many many are serving in, in all kinds of ways as a vocation or avocation many in our church you, again you'd be surprised how many college graduates we have attending our services are there disappointments? I'm sure there are but are there great encouragements? Absolutely but if we're going to have that ministry guess what the barn's going to get dirty the crib's going to need some cleaning it's not always perfect it's sometimes messy you know in the process of anything that has value there's always going to be some negative you know we were talking about even if we get the project going how we're going to be able to continue carrying on ministry and keep the dust and dirt out and you know have the exits and all that it's going to take a lot of we as a church we're going to have to rally together to see it done is the final product worth it absolutely will there be some mess along the way oh yeah but the point that uh, this is not a theological wednesday night bible study this is one of those real practical meat and potatoes kind If we are going to be and do all God wants us to be and do, we all have to see that it's worth the effort. It's worth the dirt, it's worth the messiness, it's worth the sacrifice, it's worth the giving of ourselves so that God can work in us as frail vessels to accomplish something beyond anything we can imagine and he can receive the glory. So for every effort, there's gonna be a challenge. But if we don't put out the effort, we won't bear the fruit. And if our goal is to bear fruit for God's glory, we have to prepare, be prepared for it to get messy sometimes, for the barns to need a little bit of work. But when that happens, we'll clean them again, We'll do the best we can with what we have because to do what God wants us to do, we need the oxen. But if you have oxen, they can be messy sometimes. So what does the Bible say? Where there are no oxen, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. Let me encourage you be apart don't hold back don't take the easy route you got to you got to invest you got to sacrifice for there to be fruit